This is the Employment Law Show. Hey, hey, we are ready to go. We hope you are as well. It is 6.32 on your Thursday evening. You know what that means. It's time to grab a phone, get smart. Not the TV show. I mean, you get smart. Call us and learn something. 416-870-6400 is the way you do that. Lior Samfiru, co-founding partner, Samfiru DeMarkin, LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm. In the entire country, we're talking employment law for the next half hour for a chance to you to uh, to to add to the show a couple different ways. Email is uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca, but the phone line is a lot quicker if you're going to call in now over the next half hour and ask your questions. No dumb questions. Could be about severance. Could be about going back to work, uh, temporary layoffs. Maybe you've been terminated. Now what do you do? All those things. You can call in now and talk to us. Ask your questions. No problem. 416-870-6400. Reaching out afterwards. You can also go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We will get to uh, the topic of, so you've been terminated. Now what? What do I do? That's on the way, pal. But first we get into the case of the daily. Or what do you got for us? John, it's always good to be here. Uh, I'm in, always in a good mood when the weather gets better. Well, it's getting uh, better. So uh, I'm feeling good, feeling happy, and ready to talk about employment law and hopefully answer a lot of questions tonight. You know, John, this uh, this whole point of this show is to make sure people understand about the laws that they probably didn't un- know that there are, are there. The laws that you don't know are there, the rights you don't necessarily know you have. Well, we're here to tell you about those rights. You have an opportunity to call, ask your questions so that you can feel better and know what to do. Now, it's great to have all kinds of rights, but it doesn't do you any good if you don't know about it. So if you lost your job or worried about losing your job, maybe your boss is not treating you properly properly. Maybe your job is changing. You're getting more work, less work. Whatever the issue or the problem, now is the time to call with your questions so that we can solve that issue. And I promise you, as John said, there's no bad questions. There's really only answers and solutions. And, of course, if you want to talk to me off air so that I can get to work and actually help you, me and my team, easy to do that. We'll get you that contact information throughout the show so that we can connect uh, that way. But case of the day is where I always like to start uh, as we wait for our first calls. So I spoke with a lady who had recently been uh, asked to uh, go back to work in the office. She'd been working remotely throughout the pandemic. And her employer asked her, as it was his right to do, that to come back to work now on a, on a regular schedule back in the office. Now, because she had been working uh, remotely for the past two years, uh, her child, she had a, a, a young child, a toddler. Uh, her toddler was at home with her all the time. She, she didn't need to pay for childcare because she was working from home. And uh, because of that, she now had to find arrangements for her child. Well, she's going to be going back to work, so she needed to find daycare. Where, where she lived, it was very difficult. She made calls. She, she, uh, she went online, and she couldn't find any uh, available spots. So she told her employer... I need more time. Okay, I need a bit more time to find childcare arrangements. And then as soon as those are done, I'll, I'll be coming in. I want to come in, love my job. Just give me more time. Her employer said, I'm going to give you an extra week, but that's it. And if you don't uh, come back within a week, we'll consider you to have resigned. So that's when she called me. And she wanted to know what to do because she's not going to find childcare in a week. Yeah. So, John. Here's the thing, and I hope that our, our listeners have heard me say this and or, or know what I'm about to say. Her employer has a duty, a legal obligation to accommodate her. We call this accommodation based on family status. 
And it's something that's outlined in our human rights legislation. It's in the human rights code. An employer has to provide accommodation and support to an employee that has childcare obligations. In this case, the accommodation was to give her more time, to allow her to continue working from home longer while she looks for childcare and makes efforts to find childcare. They couldn't say no. They can't say too bad. They can't even say, well, that's not fair to others. It doesn't matter. It doesn't work that way. They have to accommodate her. And this failure to accommodate is, is illegal. It's a human rights violation. So I told her what to say to her employer. She's going to try to deal with it herself. If her employer is not going to back down, then I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help her. But I wanted to remind everyone there that whether it's because of the pandemic or going back to the office or unrelated, if you have childcare needs and the only way you can meet those childcare needs is by support and accommodation from your employer, then your employer has to provide that accommodation. It's not a choice. It's not an option. It's a legal obligation. If you ever find yourself uh, in that situation where your employer won't accommodate, you know what to do. You give me a call and I'll help you. And you can do that uh, anytime, by the way, as you know, 1-855-821-5900, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. But here and now, phone lines are open. We've got a bunch, so feel free to grab a phone now and call us live on air, 416-870-6400 is the way you do that. Okay, let's get into this. So you've been terminated, now what? That is the starting point. That's the, the, the launching point, Lior, to where the confusion and the panic starts. You hear those words, right? You're, pan- you're, you're terminated. We don't need you anymore. You can clean out your locker and, and off you go, right? Certainly, it's something that for many people can be very traumatic. And yeah. uh, it's certainly never a pleasant experience. And because of that, because it's traumatic, it's not pleasant, oftentimes people will make bad decisions in that situation. So we want to talk about what this termination situation looks like. What can you expect in the termination? What you need to do during and after uh, so that if it happens, you've thought about it and you're prepared, it's not a good time to make decisions when when something uh, that traumatic happens. That's why you got to think about these things in advance. So if you have lost your job in the past or never have lost your job at all, this is something that you really need to pay attention because there's things you're going to learn here. Okay, so you've been terminated. Now what? Are there any sure signs that may tell someone that they're uh, about to be terminated? What do you think? Yeah, there, there are signs. So sometimes, you know, you just completely unexpectedly you get called into the office and get terminated. But oftentimes there are signs. And for example, if your employer uh, won't allow you to, to book things into the future, meetings, uh, conferences, travel, uh, if you're not included in, uh, in, in meetings anymore, if uh, you see that people are treating you differently, they're not going to look you in the eye, they're not ta- talking to you about things going on, uh, these are all signs that something is going to happen. Sometimes it could be a situation people tell me where everything I do all of a sudden is wrong. I'm criticized about everything. That's often a sign that a decision is being made or, or has been made to let you go. So I'm saying that not because there's a way to stop being uh, your employer from letting you go, just so that you can be aware and if and when the deci- the meeting comes up, the termination meeting, you're prepared mentally. It doesn't come as a complete shock. So look for those signs. More often than not, if you look for them, you'll actually be able to find them. For those who have uh, not had the pleasure of being terminated, how does a termination meeting usually go? I mean, I know. I'm just asking for other people, you know. Yes. Uh, well, 
a termination meeting uh, oftentimes is a meeting that happens in the workplace, in a boardroom. Uh, usually it would be uh, more than one person there with you, usually your, your direct boss and probably someone from HR. And those meetings tend to be very brief. Uh, there's not a lot of discussion or, or debate in the meeting, not a lot of explanation necessarily going on. Usually in a meeting, you'll be called, be told to sit down and told, uh, we've made the decision to let you go. In many cases, you're going to want to know why and, and who made the decision, you know, why was it made. And in most cases, your employer is not going to give you that information. I know that feels harsh, and it is, but legally, an employer is not required to give you a reason. And in many cases, the employer is going to say, we don't, we're not going to talk about that. We're simply made the decision. The decision's been made. Uh, and then they will hand you a letter to review at home, not to review on the spot. Uh, and oftentimes they'll they'll tell you we're gonna want you to leave right now, and they're gonna make arrangements with you later on to get your uh, your personal belongings. So in most cases, the termination is effective immediately, not you know tomorrow or the, or the end of the day. Uh, as harsh as it sounds, they'll probably have someone walk you to your office to get your stuff and then walk you out. Not pleasant for sure, but uh, in you in most cases that type of meeting would last about you know 20 minutes, no longer than that. And uh, before you know it, you're, you're gone. So that's just something to think about in terms of how a termination meeting may unfold, how most of them at least unfold. If it is that 20-minute meeting, is there, is there language? Is there something you should say during that meeting? So the only time that you may want to say something or at least ask something is if the company is saying, we're letting you go for cause. Uh, you want to ask what what it is that you've alleged to have been to have done, and and you know what information they can provide you, even though usually that would be outlined in the letter of termination. Beyond that, honestly, John, there's really nothing you need to do or ask in the the the, the meeting. They've let you go. Uh, why, from a legal standpoint, doesn't really factor in, and everything else you need to know is going to be outlined in that letter of termination, which is the key in, in all of this process. So don't worry about asking questions. Even if you do, you're probably not going to get answers. Uh, all you have to do is make sure that uh, you, you make arrangements, of course, to get your belongings uh, and uh, understand you know, what they need from you. Do they need property returned? Is there uh, other information that they have to get from you, a phone, a laptop, uh, before you leave? Beyond that, nothing else really. So you've uh, you've just uh, you're staring at that severance letter now, and uh, of course at the bottom, you know, when you take a gasp, there's a deadline. Do you have to accept it? No. What do you do in that case? So every sing a single severance letter that's been ever been drafted would have a severance offer, and with that offer comes a deadline to accept. Now I've said before that this is a very traumatic situation. You've just lost your job. You're obviously didn't necessarily expect it. You're terrified because uh, how am I going to be unemployed? I have these financial obligations. Then your employer gives you a piece of paper offering you money, offering you severance, but only if you accept this by Friday. And if it, it says, if you don't accept this by Friday, we're not going to pay it to you. Well, of course, the temptation there, especially in that kind of weakened mental state is yep. I'm going to sign this. I don't want not to get this money and it's going to expire on the Friday. I have to sign it. I have to return it. I understand that temptation. I really, really do. But you cannot under any circumstances sign and accept that letter. That deadline is meaningless. 
your legal rights do not expire Friday. And it's not up to the company to decide if they're going to pay you severance or not. The law decides that. And remember, in the vast majority of cases, and over 90%, and I'm being very generous here, uh, 90% of cases, whatever you've been offered, whether it's two weeks, two months, 10 months, whatever that is, is a lot less than what you're actually owed, a lot less. And oftentimes, your employer is counting on you in that weakened state to sign off on that so they can pay you all a lot less than they owe you and, and save a lot of money. Don't do that ever, ever, ever. Whatever you think of that severance offer, let's talk. Give me a call. Go to the severance calculator. You can find that at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca if you want. Let's make sure that we do not sign until we know that we've gotten everything we're owed. Okay, very important. Once you sign, by the way, John, there's no taking it back. If you realize the next day that there was a mistake and you're owed much more, despite that, you still are stuck. There's no going back. So please, please don't do that. More of those talking points are on the way and your phone calls. Bring them on. We got time. 416 870 at 645. Lots more of the Employment Law Show for a Thursday evening is coming right up. Hang on. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. And welcome back to it. Good to have you with us. For the remainder, 416-870-6400. 416-870-6400 here at 648 on your Thursday. Lots of time still for you to make that phone call, ask your questions. In the meantime, we're talking about, uh, well, you've been terminated. Now, what do you do? You know, you always say that companies, you know, you started by saying it just before we went to break, that companies will offer and almost always offer a lot less severance than they actually owe than they should be. Why is that? Well, there's two main reasons as to why companies offer a lot, and I do mean a lot less severance than what they owe. The first reason, believe it or not, is the company itself may not be aware of its obligations. I see that often. Just like individuals, employees are not aware, companies may be unaware, especially smaller companies or, or less sophisticated companies may not aware. They may think they are owed. Uh, they only owe a week per, per year or two weeks per year, and uh, and that's it. And they're doing it in good faith, not realizing that, in fact, they owe 10 times that. So that's reason number one. The second main reason is a company may well know what they owe, but they hope that the employee doesn't. They hope they can get away with it. And you know what? These are pretty good odds because the majority of people don't know and appreciate their rights. So if a company is going to let go of 10 people, and all those 10 people are going to be offered inadequate severance. They can count on seven or eight of them accepting it because they don't know any better. So if they have to uh, increase the offers for two people that know better, well, that's still pretty good odds. So either, John, the company doesn't know or they hope that you don't know. But here's the good news. If you're listening to the show now, you do know. You do know better. You're not going to be taken advantage of. You're not going to be uh, accepting less than what you're owed because we just told you what to do. We just told you you can't, under any circumstances, accept that offer. Certainly not getting, without uh, getting legal advice. So, Arne, with that little bit of knowledge right there, should the employee go back and try to negotiate their severance to a higher level on their own? Well, I have some concerns with that, uh, John, and that is if you don't necessarily know how much you're owed, you may ask for the wrong amount. And in fact, you may then kind of lowball yourself. So I'll give you an example. Uh, 
I, I've seen this happen. Let's say someone is offered two months. They're really owed 12 months of severance. The employee doesn't know that and he goes and he asks for six months. Well, the problem is now they've lowballed themselves and, and they've negotiated, negotiated themselves in a corner. The other thing is we have to think about how do we deal with vacation pay and, and bonus and pension uh, benefits, all those things. So it's hard to do that on your own, okay? At a minimum, if you are going to do this on your own, let's talk and let's have a plan of action that you can then take and execute on your own. But to just say, hey, I, I'm sure I know how to do this. I'm just going to call my employer and negotiate. That's a problem. You can still end up on the losing end of this, so I don't recommend it. 416-870-6400 is the number, and thank you for standing by for a moment. Good evening. How are you? Good. Thank you. You bet. What's your uh, What's your question? The situation is I've been listening for months and know that when there is a union involved, but they don't act, what does one do? Uh, the situation, PSW let go because of not being vaccinated, terminated end of October. Union took it over. Uh, the other complicating thing was going to apply for EI, but uh, they wrote dismissal on the ROE. And so no unemployment insurance, no severance pay. Uh so what then uh, didn't act uh, or didn't charge the union with acting arbitrarily in bad faith at this point without legal, you know, consideration? Any ideas? So, and it's, it's a huge problem when you're part of a union and the union doesn't support you or doesn't act on your behalf because the union is the only one that's allowed to. If the union is really dropping the ball and not doing anything that it's supposed to be doing, the only recourse you have is to file a complaint against the union with the labor board. It's called a duty of fair representation complaint. Now, the reality is, and that those complaints are almost never successful. 95, maybe more percent of the time, they're not successful. So they're very difficult. But that's the only option. Beyond that, you know, what I always say is if you're part of a union, you kind of you, you live and you die by the union. It's their decision. And if you don't like the decision, in many cases, there's just not much you could do. Very different, of course, in a non-union environment. Okay, because in 1984, uh, one of the members of the union did charge the union with acting arbitrarily in bad faith and Department of Labor did intercede and got the union to, uh, to act at that point. So I was kind of hoping, but that is what would have to be done. Follow through with arguing with the union and saying you were going to go to the Department of Labor and have them look into why they're not uh yeah, it's, it's called uh, yeah, it's called the Labor Board. So yeah, tell that I, I'd file a complaint with the Labor Board. Now, the, okay. that may be enough of a, a kick in the pants for the union to do something. If not, then you absolutely can file a complaint with the Labor Board. But as I said, despite what you said in that 80s matter, in, yep. it's very, very difficult to be successful on these things, but it's only an option that exists. And appreciate your time and your call. I'm going to move down to uh, David. Hi, David. Thanks for hanging on. What's your question? Hi, uh, good evening. I've got a quick question. Uh, um, I, I got a job. I told the, uh, uh, the the job that hired me that you know I had other jobs pending, so there was some negotiating going back and forth. Uh, basically, in a nutshell, um, they let me go three weeks later uh just they, they didn't give me any any reason um i mean I, I know the reason because I, you know, I missed a few days and i had some things that i had to take care of and i think they were sort of getting worried that i wouldn't be able to follow through but they they just gave me uh you know one week severance pay uh, they let me go on a wednesday paid me up until that wednesday um is that all they is that all they really really owe me 
Great question. Great question, David. So, so they recruited you from another job? Um, correct, yes. And, and how long were you working at that other job? Two years, pre-COVID, and then Two I was years. off for, yeah. So yeah. here's how this works. Uh, sorry, what's that? Go ahead. I was in the events industry, so I'm not sure if COVID would cause, uh, I was collecting the, the, the serve for a year and a half and we were laid off um, because of uh, COVID, but I was scheduled to go back to that placement pre-COVID. To that job, I see. Yeah, right. I gotcha. Yeah. So they may have to account in terms of the severance that you're owed for the time that you spent with the previous company. You could easily be owed up to six months of severance. But the question then, the main issue here is the employment agreement that you signed with this new company when you started there. Depending on the terms, for example, if there's a term there that says you're on probation for three months and during that period of time, they, they can let you go with no compensation. If it says that, then they don't owe you really anything. If you right. did not sign something that says that, then you're owed a lot more than a week's pay, uh, potentially as much as six months' pay. Again, that's only that's despite the fact that you only work for them for a few weeks. So my best advice, David, is I want you to connect with me off air, and I want you to send me a copy of your employment agreement. I can take a look at that and tell you whether or not it does limit you or whether you're owed much more. Uh, definitely not something you want to walk away from without dotting your I's and crossing your T's. Right. Uh, just the add-on to that, uh, talking nickels and dimes here, I guess. If they let you go on the Wednesday in the middle of the week, and then they say you don't need to come in Thursday and Friday, do they only have to pay you up until that Wednesday and then pay you uh, the week seven? Is that, and again, is that all you get in the week seven? Is yes, that they only have to pay you for, for the time worked up until that Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, but again, the severance may be a lot more than a week. It could be as much right. as six months. Right. But but yes, in terms of time uh, uh, for, for time work, they don't have to pay you for the balance of that week just up until that Wednesday. That's correct. Okay. Okay, so how do I reach you? I'm going to tell you right now, David, no problem. It's uh, 1-855-821-5900. I'll give you that again, and you'll hear it throughout the rest of the show. 1-855-821-5900. And there's also help at employmentlawyer.ca. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Get back to the uh, last couple minutes here. We'll uh, we'll get to one or two more of these talking points. So you've been let go. Now what do you do? Now, it makes you squeamish for sure, but... Um, how long does it take to negotiate that severance? Some people think, oh, I don't want to be wrapped up in court for 10 years, right? Well, that's exactly right. When I tell people, listen, you can't accept it. You got to give me a call. Let me do what I do, which is increase your severance. Well, if it's going to take you three years and go to court, and I mean, who wants to do that, right? We say, well, you know what? I'll just accept what they've offered me and get rid of the headache. And I get that. Well, here's the thing. It does not take long. It's not difficult. It's not complex. And it does not involve going to court. The vast majority of these cases would resolve within a few weeks, you know, two, three, four weeks. And even matters that take longer, we're still talking maybe three months. Yeah. And the chances of going to court are very, very, very remote. Only one or 2% of cases make it within, you know, 300 feet of a courtroom. So don't be afraid of the process. In many cases, you're, you're not actually burning bridges you're not actually doing anything risky so please don't walk away from your rights because you're scared of pursuing them and that'll pretty much do it for us we are done for another day we're going to be back in the weekend of course reaching out natalie or no problem 1-855-821-5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca